your home of the pins and the best pins coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Four o'clock hour from Buford's across from PPG Paints Arena on the Mark Batten Show, brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Here's a funny story about tonight's Kings Penguins game. According to general manager Rob Blake of the Kings, Dion Phaneuf will make his Kings debut Tuesday against the Jets due to immigration status. And that's apparently a problem for the Kings to work through right now. So the next three games that Phaneuf has to sit out for the Kings, he's with the team but unavailable. Like, I I don't know how this works. Is he in some sort of immigration related jail here in Pittsburgh like where are we put is he just trapped in the hotel how does this work exactly since he's a Canadian coming from a Canadian team and I guess now working for the Kings after the trade this is some sort of significant snafu while the Kings are in the middle of this baton death march of a road trip that we just talked about with Daryl Evans so he's been sitting here in Pittsburgh for three days now and he can't even play against the Penguins tonight that's beautiful Again, 4 o'clock hour of the Mark Madden Show. Uh, we will have play-by-play and more discussion with Josh Yoey about that. Uh, 5.40 or thereabouts for our pregame show here on the X. Then the network side takes over at 6 o'clock. Also, interesting comments yesterday from Mike Rupp that we're going to hear from. and Also, in the 4 o'clock hour here, J- uh, General Manager Jim Rutherford uh, had a couple of interesting takes about the prospect of the Penguins still being very much in the third-line center conversation for trades on the open market as the deadline approaches. But one to follow up uh, before we get there with the Steelers manager, general manager rather, Kevin Colbert. The one thing that he said that I disagreed with, and if you missed the open of the show, what we were discussing was the difference between how the Steelers have handled some criticism of late as opposed to the Pirates. Like the Pirates were heavily criticized for trying to do too much spin control on the moves of Garrett Cole and on uh, Andrew McCutcheon. And then as soon as things started up down in spring training, Clint Hurdle doubled down on that, tripled down on that by saying, oh, you, you just watch. When we win the World Series, Pittsburgh is going to explode. Okay, like that's ever going to happen. And it just seemed to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Like, why are you even talking about the World Series and the Pittsburgh Pirates in the same sentence when we know what you just did to the roster? Meanwhile, the Steelers took a lot of heat for not being truthful enough about how their own defense played against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs and in the latter stages of the second half of the season. And Art Rooney, the second, took a lot of criticism for saying things like, oh, well, you know what, it's just hard to play defense in the National Football League. And, and I criticized him. Many other people in town criticized him on the air. Fans didn't like it. So within 48 hours, he stiffened his message to Steeler uh, Nation Unite members, like season ticket holders and whatnot, in, in a fan meet and greet. I played comments for you earlier from Kevin Colbert where he ripped the defense even further, said things need to get better. 13-3 and wasn't good enough. The defense wasn't good enough. We weren't aggressive enough against the run. Uh, Art Rooney II called his own defense soft. So it's like a 180 opposite of the way the Pirates are trying to make you feel better about a bad situation, uh, a situation that went bad late for the Steelers. They're embracing it and saying, we got to do better. So I think that speaks a lot to the approach of the two franchises. You can comment, 412-333-9939. But the other major takeaway from the Kevin Colbert conversation today with media members, and Mike Pursuit is going to chime in on this a little bit later on, was about uh, Lev Bell. 
and the comments that Kevin Colbert made in that regard where he said it is very much the goal of the franchise to get a long-term deal with Lev Bell done, and they'd still use the franchise tag if they needed to, but they want him to be a stealer, and the discussions still are very much about long-term, not about on the franchise tag and making sure he doesn't retire. Um, we're going to play that clip for you at about 5.05, but I wanted to get to this one first. And this is the one area where I didn't really agree with what Colbert said, and I'll just put it out there for your consumption, and you can tell me what you think. Here's Colbert on Bell's attitude after getting franchised this year. Le'Veon came in and, you know, we didn't know how he would be after being tagged. Um, but, you know, he was he was great. He was great on the field. He was great in the locker room. Um, he, he didn't disappoint us in any aspect of it. So uh, I think with both sides wanting to get something done, and I believe that's his his belief as well as ours, I, I think that can certainly aids your uh, ability to get that done. Steeler fans, do you agree with that? Was Le'Veon Bell really great in all areas coming off of the contract dispute this offseason? I thought he was great on the field, but I thought he was great on the field for about the last 11 or 12 games. The first five in the regular season weren't very good for him. And I would also say he wasn't great Attitude-wise, I think embracing the role that he had, the number of carries that he took, his willingness to take on even more, especially after that first Jacksonville game where he didn't get the ball enough, I applaud him for all of that. But just the mere fact that he made such a big production out of staying away from training camp, that wasn't great. And by no means did he handle himself the right way towards the end of the season when he was griping about the contract. And the fact that he might retire, talking about that, you know, days out from the Jacksonville Jaguar playoff game. That, to me, is something that can't be ignored when talking about how Bell handled himself throughout the course of the season. What do you think? Again, you can tweet me as well, at Tim Benz PGH or 412-333-9939. For as upfront and direct as Kevin Colbert was in talking about the state of the team overall and the defense overall, and maybe this is just massaging so as not to make any waves or anger Bell in any way, shape, or form since he's been so schizophrenic in what he's said about his contract situation. Maybe he's just trying to placate Bell by saying what he said, but I don't know how you can, in good conscience, say that Bell handled himself great this year. Now, maybe Colbert was being more literal. Maybe Colbert was being more direct in response to that question, just saying his attitude about the money and his attitude in terms of playing was good. But Bell was a distraction this year. You can't uh, go for a moment without allowing that his comments about the New England Patriots literally hours before kickoff of the Jacksonville Jaguar playoff game didn't fire up the Jaguars to some extent. They obviously did. And to talk about the you know, retiring or you know staying away from the team or making further contract demands before the playoffs began, that was a distraction. You know, so I, I think it's a little too broad-based, a little too sweeping and too general to just say, well, Lev was great in all aspects. He was great on the field. He was... Really good from about the quarter pole on. But uh, it is a little disingenuous, is it not, to say that he was fantastic throughout the whole course of the year when we spent a lot of time saying, well, the offense is going to get better just once Bell gets back into the pass game rhythm. You know, we said that for the first five weeks of the season. It turned out there was truth to it. 
Let's just not say things out of both sides of our mouths, though, is all I'm asking. Chris is calling from Jeanette. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Uh, nice talking to you. Hey, um, I just think the Steelers would be just just stupid to give Bell a new contract. Um, you look at all the, the great running backs that came out in the draft last year that just tore it up in the league. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a position where they're a lot more easier to replace than giving no, a guy... I get that, Chris, and a lot of people have said that, especially in the wake of the Super Bowl when he had two teams that had three running backs each. I understand that point yeah. of view, but we're, we, we are too now readily just assuming that any running back the Steelers draft is going to be great as a rookie. Lev Bell wasn't that good as a rookie. I mean, That's you, you got to keep that in mind. Like, Lev was not that fantastic as a rookie. It was his second year where he really exploded. And That's to true. build a running back by – like, look at James Conner. He wasn't good enough as a rookie to warrant more playing time. They were scared to death to have him pass block, and he got hurt. So if you have him under control for at least one more year in the franchise tag, I don't think you move on from the notion of having Lev Bell until next year where you can better gird yourself for the notion of a running back by committee by drafting some guy midway along the way, maybe bring back Ridley on a, on a uh, usable contract or somebody else of that ilk, and then get a high-quality, really high-pedigree guy in the early rounds next year if you do decide to divorce yourself from Lev. Tom and Butler, you're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim, um, I'm kind of reiterating the last caller's sentiments. I, I, I'm kind of just over Le'Veon Bell. And, I mean, not, not to say that we shouldn't franchise tag him, but signing, I mean, just giving the, you know, feeding the, the sickness, the plague, and over and over again, I'm just, I'm tired of it. I, I say franchise tag him, and if he decides to sign for $15 million a year, which I don't think he'll do, um, uh, I'm just, I'm over the whole... Well, you know what? Thank difference. you for the call, Tom. I'm going to get into that more at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Um, just a couple really quick points on that. The first of which is, when you look at the long-term deal and the $15 million you brought up, the math could work in a way where the Steelers wouldn't be off-put by what they intended to do when they gave him the offer last year. I'll get into that later. But the point about rewarding him after he was a distraction so often... Uh, the one thing I'll bring up is, is this. We, we thought that was still going to be the case with A.B., right? That A.B. was still going to be a, a, a ball breaker even after he got his money. But this year he was not. Aside from the Gatorade thing, he had the Gatorade cooler, and that was about it. He was a lot better this year after he got his money. Not only the point of how he handled himself, but his performance was really good. And, you know, he played what we would be talking about, one of the most heroic games as a Pittsburgh Steeler ever if they had beaten Jacksonville with the way he performed. He gutted it out twice this year through injury. The toe, and then when he came back in the playoff game against Jacksonville. Um, so, I, I don't know, maybe there is some merit to something I suggested last year, that these two guys will chill out once they get their guaranteed dollars. It's just how much guaranteed dollars can you give them. 412 333 Jeff, John, we got one line open if you want to grab it now in the Lev Bell conversation, and we're going to mix in some more hockey, too. Jim Rutherford, the Penguins GM, had some interesting comments, too, about a third-line center. I think you're going to be inclined to stick around and hear them and applaud them when we come back here on the X. Hey. hey, how you doing, buddy? Let me check. Let me see what I'm wearing today. Yep, my shoes cost more than your house. The X at 105.9. We're always trying to do things and make our team better. Um, I missed my January deadline. I usually make a deal in January, but yeah. we've made a couple of additions. We'd still like to add a little more depth uh, at center, um, and uh, that's what I'll work on from um, until I can accomplish that.
General Manager Jim Rutherford of the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sportsnet 590. Again, let me give you that quote. That's what I'll work on until I accomplish that, on adding a center, making it a priority. That from Rutherford today on 590. The fan also went on to say this. I do think uh, that there's a few more players available now, Start, you know, probably this week more than there have been all year so but it's like anything you know the sellers are trying to get as much as they can the buyers are trying to get the player they want there's more than one buyer for for individual players and uh, last year there were a lot of deals made prior to trade deadline day and you know with the way it is now there there might be a mad scramble right down to the end but uh, yeah I totally can't predict it I do feel confident that uh, that we're going to add a player based on uh, the number of players that I'm talking about and the teams I'm talking to now. So look for the Penguins to do something between now and the deadline. Look for it to be a center based on those comments, and that makes me feel emboldened on the point that I was talking about the last two days, which is, yeah, sure, I- I'm with the, oh, just give Riley Shane a chance bandwagon types, but I still think the Penguins can do better. And I think they'd be doing very well if Shane was their fourth-line guy and not their third-line guy. I don't know how hard they have to work or how much they have to give up for a fourth-line guy if Shane is going to be number three. But my biggest concern is now, has been, and continues to be this. Not Shane handling third-line duties. It's him handling second-line, more offensively-oriented scoring-type duties if Sitergino should get hurt at some point late in the regular season and into the playoffs. That's where I think they need to find themselves somebody who's a little bit more offensively adroit, a little bit more offensively oriented that can handle that. Uh, aside from that, I just considered a minor move to pick up a fourth line guy to handle, you know, 11 minutes of ice time here and there, uh, tops, once the playoffs roll around. Let's go to John, who's calling from his van. Hi, John, go ahead. You are on 1059 The X. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Go ahead. Um, I, you, you know, Love Bell, I think, is a great runner, and I, I really enjoy watching him play. But great runners don't win Super Bowls for teams. A good passing game and a good defense is what wins. And we've got a few more years left with Ben. If I were Colbert, I would try to identify guys who are good receivers out of the backfield and just good runners. They don't have to be great runners. Spend on them, and they won't have to spend. They could get two for less than they're paying Bell, and use some money for some linebackers. That's what they got to do. Okay, okay, I understand, but John, okay, let's let's. I, I tried to save some of the economic talk to the second hour of the discussion with this. Maybe I'll get in with Mike Pursuta next. But we we talk about like if they don't sign Bell, then they're going to spend this money all over the place and rebolster the team in every other area possible. But keep in mind, they're also creating a hole at running back. And remember. They paid Le'Veon Bell $12.5 million last year in the franchise tag. They were going to have to pay between 8 and $9 million for Dante Hightower to fix one position. Like, how many linebackers do you think they're going to get if they don't pay Le'Veon Bell at least the franchise tag this year? Well, that is definitely true, but I, I think they could use some lower-priced running back or backs. And they this year? This year? Are you, ta- you talking about long-term or the franchise tag for Bell this year and then moving on? Because they're different discussions. No, yeah, I think if they could draft somebody that they like that has good hands out of the backfield, he's a luxury we don't need right now. Okay, uh, again, I will. No, he's not a luxury. You, you can't. Thanks for the call, but that's not true. Four hundred and six touches is not a luxury item 
406 touches is the core of your offense, all right? So it's too dismissive to say he's a luxury item. And everybody wants to point to the running back triumvirate of both of the teams that went to the Super Bowl. Rex Burkhead was a luxury item for the New England Patriots. They've stuck with Deion Lewis being hurt and unavailable and suddenly available again many times in New England. And James White took a couple years to round into form. It didn't just happen for the Patriots. You know, that had to form over a couple of years. And it's the same thing with the Steelers. They've really right now only got one component, and he's coming off a knee injury in James Conner. This, this belief that every running back they're going to touch is going to turn to gold, well, Rashard Mendenhall didn't. He had one good year, and he was a first-round pick. It's not as easy as we're making it out to be. Mike Pursuta next from the DV Morning Show on the Steeler Radio Network. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Konnichiwa, bitches. Konnichiwa. Hi, Marco. I have a porn question for you. That right there, my friend, that's asking for trouble. The X at 105.9. Joining me right now from the DVE Morning Show and the Steelers Radio Network, he was on hand for the Kevin Colbert press conference. It's Mike Pursuta. Tim Benz with you in for Mark Madden today at Buford's across the street from PPG Paints Arena, getting ready for Kings and Pens tonight on 105.9 The X at 7 o'clock. Mike, your biggest takeaway of the many things that Kevin Colbert addressed in his 20-minute discussion with you guys today was what? Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, on, on one hand, Kevin Colbert talked about uh, how they believe a lot of the guys they have coming back on defense are either in their primes or on the rise and on the other. He said, well, if we don't change the roster, why should we expect different results? On one hand, he said he's optimistic that uh, they might be able to get Le'Veon Bell's signature on a long-term contract. But on the other, he said he thought they were going to be able to do that last year, too, and that didn't happen. It seemed like uh, all the questions, uh, there, there were no definitive answers, just uh, a lot of uh, speculation, which really, I, I thought, uh, painted a picture of where the Steelers are right now. It's a, it's a pretty uncertain franchise. Yeah, and I think a lot of that dwells, Mike, in the belief that 13-3 and is a pretty good record. And, you know, you don't want to make change for change's sake just because you're mad that you played rotten in one game. And you know, I've wondered this myself a couple times since that season-ending contest against Jacksonville. Are we having the same, you know, breakout in Hives response if they just lost to the Patriots again, which we've become so accustomed to? Probably not, although uh, it, Kevin Colbert did acknowledge, and I agree with him on this point wholeheartedly, he said, uh, you know, they're not where they were a year ago. They got knocked out around earlier. And, uh, you know, I can fill in uh, an addendum to that, that it's not just the Patriots that kept them from winning the Super Bowl. It's the Jaguars who prevented them from getting to the Patriots who couldn't win the Super Bowl this time themselves. So they've apparently taken a step back, and I think the bigger issue, Tim, had they lost to the Jaguars with Ryan Shazier playing, you'd kind of shrug your shoulders and say, hey, sometimes the defense has a bad day. Philadelphia's defense wasn't great in the Super Bowl. Minnesota's defense wasn't great in the postseason. It's going to happen to all defenses at some point. But uh, there's a big hole in that defense without Ryan Shazier. This isn't a news bulletin by any stretch. But solving that is going to be problematic uh, is it free agency? Is it the draft? Colbert also talked today about how Tyler Matikavich got hurt in the same game. And, you know, I looked at Tyler Matikavich. He was their number one backup at inside linebacker last year. 
I think in that role, he was the guy who would probably turn to for three quarters of a game or a game or maybe two games to, to think they'll be significantly, be, be significantly better because Tyler Maddox David will get healthy and he'll play next to Vince Williams. I, I'm, I'm not going there. Yeah, I'm not going there either. And I wonder, Mike, have they investigated? Are they going to do anything, uh, experiment on the market to see if they can figure out a way or, you know, investigate the rule book to get around this $8 million hit that they're going to take on Ryan Shazier's contract if he, in fact, can't play this season? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll investigate it. I don't know that anybody wants to talk about that stuff right now. Uh, when Ryan Shays, when Ryan Shazier's name came up, uh, one of the points that Kevin Colbert was emphasizing was, uh, in addition to doing physical work at the facility, they're having Shazier sit in with the coaches, they're having him sit in with the personnel guys, they're keeping him involved in football. Kevin Colbert said he thought it was important to keep that out in front of Ryan Shazier. I don't think anybody wants to come out and say, as Shazier is trying to claw his way back uh, from his situation, that, yeah, this guy's done playing football and they need a replacement, but they absolutely need a replacement. Yeah, they, I mean, they've got, they've got to bolster themselves, though, against that eventuality. It's, it's, it's short-sighted if you don't, though. I mean, you've got to be a little bit, uh, you've got to check reality on it, don't you? Yeah, you do. The problem is if they're... If if there's a guy that good in free agency, he's probably not getting the free agency. You know what I mean? And, well, that's why Dante Hightower cost, what was it, $8.5 million. Yeah, and getting one in the draft, I mean, it took Ryan Shazier some time. Um, yeah, the windows may be going to stay open a little longer than some people might have thought because the Ben Roethlisberger situation seems to have stabilized for a couple, three years. But uh, it's going to be tough to get a guy that was doing what Shazier was doing for him ready to go in September of 2018. Mike Pursuta joining us from the DVE Morning Show as well as the Steeler Radio Network. Tim Benz with you on 105.9 The X in for Mark Madden. Uh, where do you stand right now, Mike, uh, opinion-wise on Le'Veon Bell, what they should do with him, and if it's smart to sign him long-term, let him walk, or just hit him with a franchise tag? You know, I, I go back and forth. I think it's a very... Uh, difficult thing to determine what the right course of action is. Art Rooney has said they want to sign him long-term. Kevin Colbert was adamant today they want to sign him long-term. I look at the holes in that defense and their cap situation, and I I really think you can get a running back who's not going to be nearly as good as Le'Veon Bell but will be more than serviceable. Maybe you get two guys that are more than serviceable, and you can also get a couple guys to help your defense. The price tag on Bell is going to be – Whopping, whatever, whatever that is, and, and Colbert wasn't ready to talk what the franchise tag is going to be because he doesn't know what the salary cap is going to be because he doesn't know what their situation is. But uh, if I'm the Steelers, I'm looking for more players as opposed to one who is either the best or the second best at what he does in the league. Now that said, uh, they could argue, and apparently they're they're thinking this way that it's the age of offense right now, and even the best defenses get bludgeoned, as we just talked about. And if they bring the same team back, you know, with a few tweaks here and there, maybe next year they win the playoff game 45-42 to 42 and they move on. Uh, maybe as long as you have Ben Roethlisberger, the idea is going to be to surround him with as much all-pro talent as he possibly can and, uh, you know, kill an ant with an elephant gun. 
Uh, I feel like know, every call we've taken this far, Mike, on, on talking about Bell is let him walk. Uh, just do it by committee like the Patriots and the Eagles did to get to the Super Bowl. You can find good running backs in the draft and have them make an impact. Uh, you know, okay, I, I it's not that easy. Can, it's, not, it's not that easy. Well, I, I, you know, I understand that 40% of their offense went through Bell. Uh, it, it was interesting, too. Colbert said that uh, after he showed up upon missing training camp, Bell did not disappoint them in any way. Uh, I play, I just played that clip before you came on, and I think that's um, selective memory, especially if you look back at the first five games. Well, I, I was even thinking, you know, I, it would have disappointed me that he was talking contract right before the Jacksonville game. Yeah, uh, I brought that up, too. I, I wasn't quite sure. Maybe you could shed some light on this. What, what did exactly did he mean by that? Was he talking literally about how pleased they were with him in connection to his play on the field, or... Because uh, I interpreted the same way you just did. I mean, how do you make that comment and then ignore some of the off-the-field crap he brought himself into? Well, I think one way you do that is their take on the off-the-field crap is that the outside world worries about it a whole lot more than they do. Uh, my take on it is uh, that's another reason why I would move Bell, because I don't think he's a bad guy, but he will say anything at any time. And, uh, you know, he's got the suspension history, and, and there's just too many variables. You know, we had Art Rooney II on the DV Morning Show recently, and he talked uh, about the things that occurred last year. I, I had asked him about the Mike Tomlin, Tony Dungy interview, and he said, yeah, Mike probably could have handled that better, words to that effect. And we don't want to be obsessing about one team. It, it was, you know, a, a very polite rebuke of Tomlin, the way he handled that situation. And I think what Art was getting at there was, this is just me interpreting what he said. This is not what Art Rooney said. I want to be clear on that. But my interpretation was that from the top coming down, uh, the mandate is going to be, let's let's have a lot less of the kind of volatile comments we had all year. And uh, if that's the direction you're trying to get, Le'Veon Bell is going to take you inevitably in the other direction at some point. No. You know, he'll do that, and the ball will go through him 40% of the time. So uh, you're willing to put up with a lot if uh, you're getting a lot in return. But uh, I think there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of play positions on that team. I, I think the team wants to kind of reinvent itself a little bit in terms of uh, how it presents itself. And uh, I think they're going to go the other way. I think they're going to do everything they possibly can to sign Le'Veon Bell. I just... I, I would certainly be exploring my options, Tim. I, w- I would figure out how many guys I could get for the price I'm going to pay for one running back and, and try to ascertain how much help that's going to provide me uh, versus losing a guy who the ball went through him 40% of the time. Yeah, see, and that's where I am, Mike. I, I don't think they get as much in the difference between keeping Bell versus using the money on the open market as everybody else does. Uh, I don't because... Just as a for instance, if you're looking for quality, I'm talking quality players to to fill these holes that we're talking about, the difference between Le'Veon Bell's contract on the franchise tag this year and what they would have gotten for Dante Hightower, who would have fit in anyway, is only three and a half million dollars. You know, so I, I just I don't see this bushel of players that it's going to turn the Steelers around if they let Lev Bell go this year anyway. Yeah, I guess part of that uh, another one of Kevin's points was you don't know who's going to be on the market until it gets to that time. You know, teams make last-minute decisions all the time to uh, sign a guy at the last minute or decide to release a guy or tell a guy they're not bringing him back. So uh, it, it would be easier to talk about it in a little more detail once you see the list and you see who's out there. But uh, 
they they got to find some football players on that defense, Tim, and a couple of them better better play inside linebacker. And I think uh, what they need and not Derek position, Johnson, please not Derek Johnson. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go there. But what they need at that position um, is going to be harder to find than a third round running back who can do some pretty good running back things for you. Is Randy Bauman going to be upset that we went through this entire hit without mentioning World War II once? Uh, you know, I think I think Randy just feels a little intimidated because he's not as up on World War II as we are, so he tries to steer it <laughs> in a different direction. Because you and I do have a long and storied history of weaving in Russian references from World War II to great effect. Even the Cold War, as I recall. Hey, wait up tomorrow morning. That's the day before uh, the U.S.-Russia game in the Olympics. Oh, great. So we might get another Stalingrad reference then, huh? Uh, you know, Saturday morning's going to be here before you know it, Tim. Make <laughs> Pursuta from the DVE Morning Show as well as Steelers.com and, of course, uh, the Steelers Radio Network. Catch him on the Network pregame show each and every Sunday after I'm done with Dale Lolly and Rob King. Mike, appreciate it. Thanks. Tim, uh, always a pleasure and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you Friday night. Yep, Friday night on ESPN Pittsburgh upstairs. Mike and I will be on the call for Mercyhurst and Robert Morris at the Island Sports Center. Be there at 7 o'clock. This is 105.9 The X. Uses directed. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. you got to be a big timer to get on this show. Double M, huge fan. Raise the Jolly Rancher. The X at 105.9. At Buford's, Bud Light, $4 aluminum bottles, $3.50 for drafts. Make sure you're here as I sit in for Mark Madden all the way up until face-off for Penn's and Kings, Tim Benz with you. Pleased to be joined right now by Bob McLaughlin back in studio, sponsored by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. We play the Irish drinking music in honor of Dan Rooney because Pittsburgh is trying to do something nice here, Bob. Wouldn't you agree? Like, this is a a gesture, a nice symbolic attempt to link arms with the dearly departed former owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers and associate him further with his Irish heritage, what with being the ambassador and all. But by the end of the day, and by the end of the day, I, of course, mean like 2.30, 3 o'clock. And it's the afternoon of the walking dead in Pittsburgh, as it so often is for St. Patrick's Day. Do you think the nice message is going to hit home, or do you think that the Rooneys will be looking around these strewn streets of Pittsburgh with 25-year-old girls and the, you know, we've talked about it before, with the green beer puke on their Irish outfits and crying through their made-up tattooed shamrocks on their cheeks, as we've so often discussed? Is it going to hit the right note? Do you uh, think? I think it will. Uh, I think it will, Tim. I think they'll be fine with it. I mean, they're Roonies. They're used to all the other stuff. You know, and, you know, I play that <laughs> it music. to their parking lot right. 10 times a year. You know, I play the Clancy Brothers in the background to bring it back in, and I'm not sure if Mr. Rooney knew the words to Beer, Beer, Beer or any of the other songs, but he probably knew the Clancy Brothers. That's how Irish those guys are, and Tommy Makeup. I mean, them, I get so. the association. It makes sense. I get it. It's just you and I, I, I remember we had – on one of our morning shows, one of the, perhaps the fiercest debate that we ever had was the Holy Trinity of Pittsburgh drunk. Like the three days in Pittsburgh where you're the most Pittsburgh drunk. And I think the conclusion that we reached were St. Patrick's Day, opening day at PNC Park, and Kenny Chesney Day. Right? That's the Holy Trinity. With yeah. 
How insert country music. Night? Yeah, insert country music artist here. It no, could it's be Kenny, Kenny, Chesney. Kenny Chesney is just Sodom and Gomorrah. I yeah. mean, that's, that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, that's, we've had to write new laws in the city because of Kenny Chesney. Yeah, but Tim, how about when there is a Penguins game? On St. Patrick's Day, on that Saturday. You know, there's usually the parade, and then there's maybe a 1 o'clock Pens game or a 7 o'clock Pens game. My God, that the happenings in that 7 o'clock Pens game over at PPG Paints Arena, that's when people are just like zombie-ish. They're just well, you know what? No, 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 the, the, poured into remember, their seats. The one that I remember that's Penguin-related is the night before Thanksgiving. That that also was a strong contender for the Holy Trinity of Pittsburgh drunk. Absolutely, because all the kids are back in town. You got family members back in town. Of course, you're going out. You're having a great time. You got nothing going on the next day except for battling the hangover. Absolutely, that's got to be in the top three or four. I mean, my one of my favorite days of the year around here is November the first, the day after Halloween, when the walk of shame still in your costume takes place. There's nothing better than that. I mean, just camp out on the south side, right. like get a coffee early in the morning, and just wait until about uh, 8.30, 9 o'clock when the hangover has reached so bad and all the sexy raggedy ands are wandering down Carson Street, like technically still drunk, but, you know, we'll call it hungover, trying to remember where they parked their car, lost their phone so they can call an Uber. But St. Patrick's Day, I still think, blows. Like, that is that way everywhere. It's like, especially on every college campus. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of friends that went to Ohio University that described that same scene for Halloween. We do St. Patrick's Day better than most, just about anywhere but Boston, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but the thing that we should do now, we should organize this. You know, these are great plans for the day after Halloween. If you're down on the south side, you know, there's chairs along the street. Just grab, sit in one, grab a little sheet of paper with a Sharpie, and let's judge those people walking home. <laughs> you know, I, I want to see like a 6.4 for the sexy cop. I want to see a, a 9.3. No, 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 no. I'm taking this a different direction because you just inspired me here because <laughs> I think this is what we should do to honor Dan Rooney. We should find the first round draft choice of the Dan Rooney St. Patrick's Day Parade and, and use that as the parameters. Like the the, the, the new level of Pittsburgh drunk in the Holy Trinity. That, that will be next year's Grand Marshal at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. How about that? What, what's her title, though? Like, what do we put on the sash? Uh, that, you can say, that you can say on the radio right now. Yeah, because that's something better, and I just caught myself. Well, Tim, here, here's, some Guinness, wanna... here's a pint of Guinness to you, Slancha. I'll go with that idea. I don't want to have to go through sensitivity training like all my WEEI alumni. Yeah, what are you going to do tomorrow when the whole radio station is off the air taking their training? Are you yeah, going to tweet them? No, no, this, yeah, it's going to be so good. But people who don't know this story, there's been like this string of incidents at my old station at WEEI, and everybody has to go through sensitivity training. So they're going dark for a day. Like they're just going to run ESP. I think it's ESPN satellite programming, maybe because there is like they have a sister station on the AM side. It's kind of like nine seventy for us, right? Okay, it's eight fifty. So I think they might just simulcast that from six until six, six a.m. to six p.m. But the entire t the entire time, the whole staff has to go through sensitivity training because they ran into this rash. Like you know, the one host, uh, Alex Reimer, called. Um, Tom Brady's daughter, an annoying little pissant. Remember that? Right. That started uh, it all off. That started it off. And then uh, my former co-host, Christian Fourier, made fun of Don Yee's oh, accent. This was bad. Which is very funny because, of course, in typical Christian fashion, <laughs> Don Yee doesn't have an accent. He's he was born, born in California, in, right? He was born and raised in Sacramento. Yeah. He doesn't even have an accent. 
And uh, what was the, oh, you know, Kirk Minahan said some stuff, you know, here and there for over the past couple of years that got everybody in trouble or got him in trouble. So they have to go through sensitivity training. That the best thing that I saw was uh, in the Boston Globe, their media critic Chad Finn suggested if they really want ratings, and this is true. Live stream the sensitivity training. I thought the same thing. Somebody's going to sneak a camera in there. How do you think sensitivity training would go with you know people like you, me, Madden, Crowley, and Pursuit in the room for us? Like, how would that go over? Do you think for five seconds? Oh, it'd be funny as hell. But we'd have to keep it. We would have to keep it in house. It'd be in like fact, that Tim, scene from the let's natural, end this like- segment right now, and you can continue talking sports before we need sensitivity training. All right, uh, we'll do that before we get ourselves in trouble. Uh, I've already blown through the top of the hour anyway. All right, in 30 seconds when we come back, um, I'll, I'll play that Kevin Colbert clip that Mike was alluding to before about getting Lev Bell signed long-term. Here's a question. Does anybody want to keep him? It doesn't sound that way based on the callers that we've taken today. 412-333-9939. Tim Benson for Mark Madden on the X.